Welcome to United Bias. This week, just Ruben and myself, Kiran, to take you through a bit of a catch-up. We've been gone for a little bit, haven't we, Ruben? Yeah, I think it's been a little bit, uh, a few things coming together. Uh, obviously, we've been traveling, uh, which always makes things a little bit more difficult. Uh, and then a, a series of deeply uninspiring results uh, has not exactly uh, made us, you know, run to the microphones while we're in our hotel rooms, uh, put it that way. Yeah, and of course, we also recorded an episode uh, after the last round of fixtures before the international break. And uh, when I was trying to upload it, I noticed there was the files were corrupt, essentially. So that uh, that didn't help. But but we're here now. And uh, we're recording a day after the Wednesday fixtures of the Champions League. So the Thursday post the Champions League. And Manchester United, of course, just lost again. Um, 4-3 to Bayern Munich. So that's part of the press room. Manchester misery, isn't it? Four losses out of the opening six games. This is a diabolical start for Manchester United. Yeah, I, I somehow didn't think that if we uh, missed recording an episode for for three weeks, that we wouldn't have a single positive result to talk about. It's it's kind of uh, kind of sad. Um, I mean, we can go. Yeah, I mean, obviously the run. You know, uh, Arsenal, very frustrating game. Uh, I think Brighton you can talk about also quite a frustrating game you know even even Bayern Munich I, I think I, I'm just leaving myself feeling you know or leaving those three games leaving this round of games feeling just uh, yeah a, a deep sense of I don't know like annoyance I guess almost more than anything I mean despair yes and some of these other things uh, as well but yeah just just an overwhelming sense of those were just three really really got under your skin irritating games to watch I mean you could have annoying games to watch, but with somewhat better results. These results have been haven't been great, and 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 the Bayern Munich scoreline almost flattered a little bit. You know, looking at a, at a four three loss. You know, three goals away and Munich. You think, wow, you surely won the game. Nope, not this Manchester United team, which finds ways to concede <laughs> goals. I mean, it's it's the first time we've conceded three goals in consecutive in three consecutive games since nineteen seventy eight. I feel like the last few years, we just keep on breaking these like terrible rec- club records. Every time there's some new ridiculous stat that comes out, and, and this is another one that's, that's popped up recently. How has this defense that seems so settled and solid t- all of a sudden seemed to just, I don't know, capitulate game after game? I think it's, I mean, it's a bit of a difficult one to to pin things on. You know, obviously we, yeah, we've definitely got a lot leakier in defense, but but I've noticed a specific type of goal cropping up again and again, and it's it's someone managing to get to the byline and then uh, pulling back for an an oncoming, not necessarily always a, a midfielder. Sometimes it's a a forward who is sitting deeper and is sort of driving onto it, but but just really weak to those late runs into the box with a crossback. And for all the world, you think our defense is settled? We've got. You know, four, sometimes even six guys, because we've got the you know, midfielders tucking in, and, and we're conceding goals from you know the edge of the penalty area. It's it's a really bad look, and, and I think a lot of these goals are coming at a time. Um, yeah, we're just conceding goals at really important times, and that's a bit stupid because goals are always important when they get scored. So it's always going to seem like an important time. But I can point to Arsenal where we conceded. Or is it 35 seconds after going ahead? 
Um, you know, you, you can point to Brighton where we conceded right after a period of dominance. Uh, you can point again to, to Bayern Munich where, where again, you would say that we're probably looking the, the, after 20 minutes of or so football at the better team and, and then a, a howler by, by Nana. So, you know, obviously, as I say, p- partly that we're seeing a particular weakness that teams are managing to exploit. Um, and, and also partly, I, th- I think it can also just be chalked up to just really poor concentration at important times. Yeah, I think you touched on a nice thing. Uh, well, a good observation, not a nice thing necessarily, but <laughs> this 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 phenomenon of like these cutbacks and someone you know some midfielder of player crashing the box and getting onto the end of it, and 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 usually some poor you know uh, man marking, someone just not switching you know switching off and allowing the player to to waltz right through, like Danny Welbeck's goal for Brighton uh, on the yeah. weekend. I think that was the first goal where Casemiro just let him you know walk right through and and this has become a trend and i think the arsenal the arsenal goal we're referring to uh the, i think the odegaard goal that's the one where where ericsson doesn't go out and you know close yeah. the man down and gives him all the space and, and time after time this this happens and the question has to become like why you know what what is different what has changed why has for example casemiro who i personally think i know he says it's a bit weird he criticized someone who scored two goals um, last night, I thought he had a yeah. terrible game again. Uh, I thought he was horrendous against Brighton, and he got hooked at, in sixty odd minutes. And I thought he was pretty, pretty anonymous uh, against Bayern Munich. What has happened to the the Casemiro that we were raving about last season? The guy who essentially I compared him, I gave him the ultimate compliment, and I said he's the closest thing I've ever seen to Roy Keane, and and I, and I believed it at the time last season. But now something's not right, is, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one because, I mean, he was definitely a guy that we would have pegged for maybe not, you know, absolutely nailed on to be the signing of the season, but but definitely up there in the conversation. And, I mean, I think we're even talking about him, you know, oh, is he unlucky to maybe not get a nod for Premier League team of the season, et cetera, et cetera. So coming off the back of a really good season that, that I think we can all acknowledge got a little bit disrupted at the back end because of some red cards and, and a few things like like that, but it's just yeah, it's it's been a drop off. I, I mean, obviously he's not getting any younger. Uh, that's part of it, but I, I also don't think something in our midfield shape is is just not uh, well is exposing him. Uh, put it that way, you know. I, I think we're we're seeing a, a situation where uh, we're wanting Bruno to to try and maintain a higher line. You know, we, we don't want Bruno dropping deep, or sometimes he does drop deep, and especially now that we don't have Mason Mount to sort of play both a, a forward and a, a you know a role assisting Bruno going forward or, or even if Bruno drops deep he's able to play the more creative outlet up top without Mason Mountain we've got Ericsson who doesn't have the mobility to back up Casemiro we find him dropping very deep often almost like a right back or left back type position sometimes to to pick up the ball you've got Casemiro looking very uh, isolated often you know once we get past in our first line of of our press, you know, you've, you're literally sometimes sitting with Casemiro trying to, uh, you know, essentially facing down three, you know, three players by himself, not knowing which way to pull. And and so, you know, we've we've got this, what's meant to be a midfield just stretched all over the park, you know, and, and completely out of shape. So I, I think it's, as I say, I, I, I think it's exposing him because it's forcing him to have to commit quite early to challenges probably earlier than he would want to. I think that's also he's committing earlier to challenges than he would normally have done in his younger days when he had more recovery pace. 
And, and I think what's happening then is he's just losing a lot of one-on-one -on -one duels. You know, he's he's just getting, you know, <laughs> he's just getting waltz passed by, you know, we even identified it already when we spoke about the Spurs game when James Madison did it to him, but now we're having, you know, Adam Lallana doing it. It's, uh, you know, it's troubling times. Yeah, and, and I guess that's it. It's not exactly like, I mean, Xavi and Iniesta are, are, are running the show, you know, game after game going past him. It's Lallana and, and the like, and it it is disconcerting. And, and this is why you can't buy a 30-year-old mid central midfielder who, you know, the heart of your engine room because it might, ha not, it might happen immediately. It might happen a month, a year's time, two years' time, but your legs go. And Mm. I I seem to think that we could just be seeing the, you know, his legs going and, you know, just that split second. It's that split second to slow down that, you know, separates the best from the not so good. And and, and that's what we could be witnessing with Casemiro. I can't think of anything else. And, you know, watching him, a lot of these instances were concentration issues to me. You know, the, the, the Welbeck yeah. goal in particular stands out like, what? What is going on? So, yeah, huge concerns there. And I think the sooner um, he gets his game right, or if he's able to turn things around, I think we'll suddenly look a much better team uh, for it. And 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 go in hand in hand with that is, is Martinez. And Martinez, since his return from injury, has been, to me anyway, you know, a shadow of the player he was pre-injury. So those are the two big yeah. concerns yeah. that I think, you know, not the only reasons by by any stretch of the imagination, but but you know, if the two of them get their act together and get their form right, I think it's a huge boon to this team. Yeah, it's strange because towards the end of last season, um, we didn't necessarily look like we missed Rafael Varane. Uh, you know, it seemed like Lindelof had slotted in quite well, and <clears throat> you know, in in sort of pairing with with Martinez, had looked really good. Um, I, I think we've you know been even more exposed now in these last few games that Varane hasn't been around. But, you know, and maybe it's just that Lindelof's not as good as covering for Martinez's very aggressive tendencies. Um, or, or maybe Martinez is overcorrecting on aggressiveness now because he's seeing Casemiro failing in the, in the middle of the pitch. So he's feeling the need to go out and make challenges or, or follow the forwards much deeper into the pitch than he should be. And it's, it's leaving huge gaps, um, you know, and, and it's, I think, leaving... Lindelof with too much space to cover and, and then that ends up with with you know the fullbacks being quite easy to target which is I think why we've seen so much success or why teams have had so much success pushing to the byline and, and cutting it back because they've got the time and the the space to do it and, and I think looking you know not so much the Arsenal game but looking at Brighton uh, with you know where we switched to a, a 4-4-2 diamond which is quite unusual I think can, can, can we just can we just stop on that 4-4-2 diamond because when I saw the 4-4-2 diamond I just in, it immediately was taken back to the 2000s with that great Milan midfield with uh, Seydoff <laughs> uh, Young Pirlo Gattuso and I think it was Ambrosini I think it was the captain I think it was the four, four of them and they'd play that diamond with I want to say it was Inzaghi and Another and maybe Shevchenko up top. Maybe it was Zagi Shevchenko. Yeah, yeah that right that that like a really great uh, you know team. And anyway, that when I saw that, I just had visions of that. Of course, uh, we did not. Play and, and then you saw Scott McTominay on the right. Of the diamond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, listen, I, I, listen. All um, Scotland, Scott McTominay certainly you know warranted a place with these gold uh, scoring pursuits for the international team. I mean, it's worth a try. But yeah, you know the thing that occurred to me when I saw that Ruben was like. Okay, this is great. Because what we were crying for in years gone by is a manager with 
tactical flexibility, someone who would try yeah. different things, different approaches, you know, have a, a, a certain approach for a particular opposition. And while this was great, it was clear that the system failed because the players were just not up to, they just couldn't, they didn't know what to do, where to be, pressing triggers, yeah. Yeah. to go where. And, you know, I think we saw but the it same... It seemed to be working, right? Initially, it seemed to be working. And then with the, the smallest of tweaks from... from Deserby, you know, uh, giving his players, uh, instructing his players to to target us in in the wider spaces. Suddenly, this diamond with essentially two narrow forwards, and you know, it, it just suddenly then we're so exposed on the on the flanks with a very easy tactical switch. You know, um, yeah, uh, yeah. But although I'd argue that the formation was working because we were better in possession, it's yeah. the in possession stuff that we were doing really well early on in that game. Not so much, you know. I think Brighton were just sort of stumped they didn't know what we were doing and you know they took a while to adjust yeah. and it made us look better because it's not what they had prepared for and yeah, and yeah as you say once deserby made made those changes pushed the fullbacks up and suddenly our guys were in space because like as you know the problem with the diamond is is no worth right so your worth has to come from come from your fullbacks and suddenly yeah. regular and dallo have to be pushing up constantly now all of a sudden when you've got is it adingra and uh lamty pushing high up the field, suddenly it cuts our width out altogether and, you know, uh, it just, things fell apart. But, yeah, on the plus side, Tenok's trying things. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess. That that we can give to him. Yeah, we, we can give it to him. And, and, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think we saw it in, in literally the last three games. He, he set up correctly, uh, you know, at the start of the game. You know, I mean, I, th- I think all three of, of Arsenal, Brighton and, and um, you know, Bayern Munich, we definitely had the better start and, and definitely, you know, should have capitalized with a goal in the early part of the game. And, and that, that's then the, the other side. You know, it's, it's like we can't do, we can only do one thing well at a time. We, we can kind of attack and then not defend well. But even when we attack, we, you know, we, we've looked a lot better in possession these last three games compared to like Nottingham Forest, for example, is completely diabolical. But but now we, you know, we can hold the ball and we can get it to Rashford and he can attack and, and drive with the ball and, and then not make good decisions and, and get it to to somebody who can who can finish, you know. So it's like, really, we can only... It's like, we just can't concentrate on more achieving more than one thing that we're good at at, at any given point in the game. I, I saw something pretty funny on, uh, on Twitter and it went something along the lines of, play well for 20 minutes, don't score, concede a goal. Um, yeah. con- play poorly for a period of time, don't score, concede a goal. Um, concede a goal 30 seconds later concede another goal it doesn't matter what the game state is Manchester United are just conceding a goal in this round yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. thought it was kind yeah. of true um, but but you know I get, look these are the light out of things that you can laugh about and I think we're a lot more measured than the average uh, average uh, social media fan let's put it that way sure it's yeah I've already seen calls for Ten Hag to get the axe yeah Ten Hag out like no 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 we're not we're not Arsenal here boys we don't do that we don't we don't do those things so you know it's been a terrible start um but I'd like to read something to you Ruben I I think I've got a little bit of a mitigating factor so may I read something for you I I have I have wrapped with attention (laughs) so at the end of the of the end of the Brighton game these were all the players unavailable for Manchester United Tom Heaton Rafael Varane, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, uh, Terrell Malassia, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, uh, Kobe Maino, Sofian Amrabat, Mason Mount, Ahmad Diallo, 
Anthony. Does Anthony have a second name? <laughs> Anthony the Santos, probably. You know, so. uh, Jaden Sancho, and then I'm going to include Mason Greenwood because clearly he was in the club's plans. Ten Hag thought he was going to have him this season until you know social media meltdown. So that's thirteen players, thirteen players, and you know, apart from okay, you can say Menu, he would have been fringe, and maybe Ahmad. But the rest oh, of them, and, he, and Heaton, right, as your backup. But the rest of them are big money signings, and a large quantity of them would probably be straight in your starting 11, right? So, well, well I'm, then, I'm not even going to let uh, Manu go that easily. I, I think, based on, on preseason, Ten Hag seemed pretty convinced he, he was onto a gem. I mean, we know he was giving him a game time towards the back end of, of last season. I, I really thought he was saying, here's the guy with the, the legs and the engine in the middle of the park to, to help Casemiro, you know? Yeah, so so I mean, you could argue that at least you know five players in your starting lineup would be different if if yeah. these guys were available. And, I, and I'd argue that you take any team in the world and you take five or six starters out of their team plus the depth players. I mean, as it's, it's well documented, all our left backs <laughs> are injured, and one of our right backs. You know, it's it's what do you do? Um, so I'm not gonna you know sort of throw the baby out of the bathwater, so to speak. And, you know, I think we will we should be better once our players return. I think until we get a reasonable amount of them back, we need to have some patience. There are some positives that have come out. I think Hoyland's look terrific. He looked terrific against yeah. against Brighton in his little cameo. And he looked lively against Bayern Munich. And I think he makes a world of difference um, to us. So... Very excited to see how the team looks once all the elements are there together. And I will say, Sergio Regulon was exciting. He's been exciting. He's been, I mean, what a breath of fresh air. I mean, it's well documented on this podcast that I'm I'm not the biggest Aaron Juan Bissaka fan. So to see, you know, our fullbacks being Sergio Regulon and and Diego Dallo being competent in build-up, looking, um, looking competent in possession, you know, offering an outlet, offering actual dynamic threat has been really refreshing to see. So I think those have been the, the positives. I had to take out the last few games, our fullbacks and Hoyland, definitely positives uh, for us. Yeah, I, I've, I've been really excited about uh, Hoyland. I mean, I, he was obviously unlucky versus Brighton to not get his first Premier League goal there. Um, you know, <laughs> certainly looking at it on TV, yeah, I think that, I mean, the ball was probably over the line, but, but that's it. I, I mean... You know, I think I would like to see a, a straight-on angle. But anyway, sorry, let, let me not get too deep in the weeds here of, of the bad calls. Otherwise, I'm gonna gonna be ranting for a while. Um, but he has, yeah, he's he's looked really solid. He's offered everything that you know Anthony Marshall used to offer, I think, but on a, a younger, hopefully more robust package. I mean, obviously, we know he came in with an injury, but honestly, it's it's pace, it's movement, uh, his. His hold-up play is sublime. I mean, the, the fact that we have this outlet for for longer balls and and he can he can slow down and and you know protect the ball with defenders trying to muscle him is just really great to see. Uh, and obviously, a very well taken goal. I, I think that's going to do his con- confidence the the world of good um, against Bayern Munich. Of course, then the 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 slight irritation that even though we, we only had about six seconds of hope before we conceded again after his goal. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think with the right service, the right players around him, he's, he could really be a special player. Yeah. So some positive signs. And I think, you know, once these, as we say, the injuries come, you know, start abating, we'll be okay. Um, just 
onto that, onto our next few games. Just we've got a good run coming up. Burnley, Burnley away. Uh, then in the League Cup, we're hosting Palace. Then in the league, hosting Palace again. Hosting Galatasaray in the Champions League. At home to Brentford and then away to Sheffield United. So all those games are, you know, really winnable fixtures before you know, before the close of the month with Man City. So we've really got an opportunity here to build a bit of momentum and get the team in form while uh, players recover and come out into the fold. So hopefully things start to turn around now. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, obviously, you know, we buried the lead a little bit at the start of this by, by not mentioning that injury list. I think what's also pretty big to to note is that you know, a lot of the players who are injured, or if you look at the availability, other than Onana, who has started, you know, obviously all the games, um, obviously hasn't had the best start, but but that's it. I still think he's the right player uh, for, for us. But you look at Mason Mount, you, you look at Hoyland, you, and then you also look at uh, Sofian Amrabat, who I think was an important target of, of Ten Hag's, uh, you know, just to ensure that we... You know, I mean, obviously, the, with the fact that we've brought in two central midfielders... Um, and then we've seen them not be there and we've been overrun in midfield a number of times, you know, goes to show you. Like, like okay, well, if you don't get to play the players that you've spent a lot of effort to bring in, it's it's going to hurt you. So, yeah, I, I think as soon as we start seeing some of these people coming back, I, I think Amramat's going to make a big difference. Uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, it's it's not, uh, it's not panic stations just yet, even though it's our worst start in a long time. Agreed. I think on that note, we've we've done enough. There's been, you know, analysis out there to death. We just wanted to let everyone know that it's not panic stations. Back your manager. And uh, yeah, hopefully things will turn around. And, and, you know, fans of other clubs, don't worry. We'll be back to our regular programming next week with a complete show as usual. But this week, we just had to touch base and a quick Manchester meltdown as they were. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Well, uh, before we before we get to uh, before we get to uh, our outro, uh, just on a lighter note, um, I will say that the Arsenal game I managed to catch. Uh, you know, obviously we mentioned that we were traveling. Uh, managed to catch the Arsenal game uh, in in Dublin, which I know is like a really strong Manchester United contingent. So uh, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun to sort of track down. Uh, you know, what is the best venue to watch the game? Unfortunately, I couldn't find a, a Man United specific venue. Uh, or supporters club as such, but I found a place called Synod's Bar, which is sort of in the sort of central area near Temple Bar of of Dublin, one of the popular areas. And uh, man, I was like blown away to be honest by how impressive that place was. So you kind of went down, you know, it's kind of foreign concept to us that the bar was almost kind of underground, and then massive two like huge projector screens on either side of kind of like a long hall room uh, with. I think like probably 15 or 20 screens in, in sort of circular around the bar itself, uh, just e- screens everywhere. It was, it was just really impressive. Uh, and then what was great to see, of course, was that I, I would say all or almost exclusively, uh, you know, Man United fans. And, and, you know, I mean, as I say, I, I think there's probably reasons for the, the strong influence, maybe Roy Keane, et cetera, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, it was really a fun experience. Um, you know, and at least at least with the Arsenal game, we were in it for a, a really long time. Scored the first goal. You know, the the level of excitement was was really high. Uh, and of course, with Garnacho's disallowed uh, goal, the place went absolutely ballistic uh, and, until 
until he got called back, you know. And and as I say, we we trying to avoid complaining about decisions here, but but yeah, that, that kind of level of deflation in the room was also quite uh, palpable. But yeah, a, a good experience, uh, as I say. Um, nice to nice to sort of get out and about and and see what uh, it's like in the rest of the world and kind of that uh, you know what the fandom is like. Nice, nice. Glad you. Sounds like a it was a good time. Yeah, always, always interesting watching the game in uh, another location and within a different market with you know interesting sets of opinions. But uh, yeah, nice that you had a good one. It was uh, yeah. On- even even the bar staff were, were pro pro Man United. They were all uh, all cussing in Irish when uh, <laughs> when that third ball went in. <laughs> nice. Well, I hope uh, more Irish will be uh, cursing this weekend uh, as the Springboks take on. Uh, Ireland and the Rugby World Cup. But uh, yeah, that's the story for next week. With that, uh, on that lighter note, we're out.